0: I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And, and we're, we're the, the sirens. sirens. Today we are talking about The Parent Trap, which is a 1961 movie starring Haley Mills in two roles, uh, Maureen O'Hara and Brian Keith. When teenagers Susan and Sharon meet at a summer camp, they get along like cats and dogs until they discover they are identical twins separated at birth by their parents. Determined never to be separated again and eager to meet the parent each of them has not had a chance to know, they scheme to switch places with each other when they go home so that their parents will be forced to return them and, they hope, fall back in love. Mischief, a lot of camping, and a little bit of romance ensue. (laughs) I think that sums it
1: up pretty well, um... I, I will say that I was surprised upon rewatching this to learn that they were like 13-14 years old mm-hmm. because they're I like the idea of like oh we just need to get them back in the same room and they will refall in love feels very childish to me yeah and I was like they're kind of old enough that I think they should know that that's not all it takes but maybe the 60s were a different time
0: yeah like they're simultaneously having thoughts like that and also having like dances with boys at summer camp yeah,
1: yeah. so had you seen this version before,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, a couple of times, like when I was like thirteen or fourteen, myself probably. <laughs> oh, <So.
1: laughs> <laughs> uh, because I think a lot of people now are almost more familiar with the remake, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm.
0: which is very I... similar. In, I mean, I, I think it, it, as I recall, it follows pretty much the same. Like, details of, like, the ranch in California, the fancy family in, you know, I guess that maybe that one was in London, various, like, supporting characters.
1: Yeah, I think I found in the remake the parents to be more likable than in this (laughs) version. (laughs) So, anyway, but we could talk more about that. Um, Do you have some trivia about this movie?
0: Yes. Actually, so, I do have some trivia. And speaking of... Um, that remake, Joanna Barnes, who plays Vicki Robinson, the, the girlfriend of the, da- the dad, um, is the only actress to appear in the remake. She plays an older version of her character who has passed her gold digging ways on to her daughter, Meredith. Which oh. Is interesting. yeah um, I did not know that. Yeah. And there's also, they talk a lot about how, um in this movie, Mitch Evers, the dad is, he's portrayed as a cradle robber, but he's only 13 years older than, the actor is only 13 years older than the actress playing his bride to be, which, uh, you know, only 13, you know, take that as you will. Um, Well, did did you, I was like confused
1: about people's ages in this because for one thing, early 60s hair and clothing and makeup styles just made everyone look older if you ask me so like she might have been supposed to be young but the style made like she could have been 40 and I would have been like yeah
0: yeah I was like is she supposed to be 25 or is she supposed to be 45 or like how how old is how old is she supposed to be (laughs) yeah and
1: then how old is he because he has like a 13 14 year old daughter but like he could have had them at age 20 we don't know like it's yeah. So, anyway, I have, I have a
0: lot of questions about these the the adult characters. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So the screenplay originally called for only a few trick photography shots of Haley Mills and scenes with herself. Um, The bulk of the movie was to be shot using a body double named Susan Herring. Walt Disney apparently saw how seamless the process shots were, the strict photography, and he, like, had the script reconfigured so that there was more of the, the visual effect in it. Like, I would love to know more about how that, like, the mechanics of that effect was put together because I could tell in the shots when she was in the shot with herself, I could sort of see how they did it a little bit. Like, there seemed to be, like, a... Uh, something about how, like, they were spaced with each other or whatever. Didn't have a chance to look more into how they actually did that. Which I wonder if it's the same way that they did it in the remake.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. But I thought that the effects were pretty good, mm-hmm. actually. I mean, you could tell, but it wasn't like, oh, this is jarringly terrible. It was like, you know, this is,
0: like, passable. hmm Yeah. Um, so Susan Henning took on the role of Haley Mills' body dubber, double for many of the twin shots, um, but in her contract, she signed away her rights to be credited, so she's not credited at all in this movie. The title song was performed by Tommy Sands and Annette Funicello, who happened to be on the lot anyway, shooting Babes in Toyland, which came out that same year. Fun fact, the isolation cabin uh, where Sharon and Susan are forced to stay um, for the last three weeks of camp is called Serendipity. And... The then two other uh, quick pieces of trivia. This is the first full-length movie for Disney in which Richard and Robert Sherman wrote the music. They, of course, went on to write the music for um, uh, Mary Poppins, Bed Noms of Broomsticks, um, and a lot of other Disney movies. And finally, as they leave to go camping in the, with the dad and... Vicki, the pickup truck door is labeled Golden Oak Ranch, which is the name of a Disney filming location.
1: Oh. Yeah, it it felt very, um, I felt like I was reconnecting with, like, the old school Disney of my Mm -hmm. youth. I know. Watching this.
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs)
1: Because anyone who occasionally watched the Disney Channel, like, sort of in our age group, they always were showing these old Movies yeah. from, like, the 60s and stuff. Because so, sometimes it feels weird. i like, this wasn't my childhood, but it still feels very nostalgic for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For exactly that reason that you mentioned that, like, it was on TV all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: That my mom was kind of like the perfect age. She was born mm-hmm. in fifty three and mm-hmm. she's a huge Hayley Mills mm-hmm. fan. Like she loved her growing up. So I ended up seeing like a lot of her movies from this time period.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, my dad was a big fan too. So we, we watched a lot of those those movies. Yeah, I'm watching and rewatching now that, you know, Disney Plus is a thing. I'm watching a bunch of Haley Mills movies. Nostalgically. <laughs> yeah, this
1: actually made me wanna uh, explore more of old school Disney Plus.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Haley
1: Mills, you bioed her, right? Yes. Um, Haley Catherine Rose Vivian Mills was <laughs> born in 1946 in London. She's the daughter of Sir John Mills and Mary Haley Bell, and the younger sister of actress Juliet Mills. Hmm. Um, so you know, definitely had that um, acting. Hollywood background in her family. Yeah. She began her acting career as a child and was hailed as a promising newcomer. And she won the BAPTA award for most promising newcomer for her performance in the British crime drama film, tiger Bay in 1959. Um, She won the Academy uh, Juvenile Award for Pollyanna in 1960 and the Golden Globe for New Star of the Year in 1961. So that first role in Tiger Mills was when she was 12 and she was discovered by Jay Lee Thompson, who was initially looking for a boy to play the lead role, um, which co-starred her father, um, who was like a well-known British actor and she got it instead and they rewrote it for a girl and it was really no. popular at the box office and then gained her a lot of recognition with that BAFTA award and then because she did so well with that Bill Anderson who is one of Walt Disney's producers suggested that she get that
0: role in Pollyanna oh. and um, have you seen that one? I don't think that I have but I guess I'm adding it to my uh my nostalgic Disney list. <laughs> summer
1: (laughs) i yeah it's definitely a long i kind of looped it in with those like anne of green gables Mm -hmm. type like there's an orphan who goes to live with like a distant relative and Mm -hmm. um but that movie was really popular and then she became a big star in the united states and then won that academy award and she was actually the last person to receive the juvenile oscar they got rid of that huh Um, And then after that, she was cast in this role as twins Sharon and Susan in The Parent Trap, which was like a huge international hit. She received an offer to make a film in Britain for Brian Forbes called Whistle Down the Wind, which was based on a novel by her mother um, about some children who believed an escaped convict was Jesus. What? I I know I have not seen this movie but I was like I like this premise <laughs> um, that was a hit in Britain and she was voted the biggest star of the year in Britain in 1961 this I thought was really interesting she was offered the role of Lolita by Stanley Kubrick what and her fa- fa- yeah I know her father made her turn it down and she later said that she wished she had done it but like I, I can't I just can't imagine her in that role <laughs> So then she went back to Disney for the adventure film In Search of the Castaways in 1962, which was based on a Jules Verne novel, and that was a hit, Um, and she was voted the most popular star in the U.S. for the next two years. So she was really, like, household name. Um, And then her fourth movie for Disney was less successful, but still did decently well, called Summer Magic in 1963.
0: I want Summer Magic. Can I order that up for... Yes. <laughs> just generally? <laughs> just just for yourself. That's right. For, for myself and for you, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was an adaptation of the novel Mother Carries Chickens. <laughs> and then uh, Ross Hunter hired her for a British-American production of The Chalk Garden in 64, where she plays a girl who torments her governess who was played by deborah Kerr, and then back at disney she was in a film about jewel thieves called the moon spinners and that's where she got her first on-screen kiss with peter McHenry. uh in 1965 she appeared in sky west and crooked written by her mother and directed by her father but it wasn't very popular and then her last film with disney that same year was the comedy that darn cat which was another big hit
0: Which um, is a movie I watched so far this summer. So silly.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I well, it's in that Venn diagram of like movies about animals, and then <laughs> movies that it, I like comedy movies about animals. That yeah. it's <laughs> it's just it's there for me. <laughs> so while she was with Disney for those six years, she was considered the most popular child actor of that entire time period um and the song let's get together hit number eight on the billboard hot 100 singles chart and number 17 in britain and number one in mexico and led to the release of a record album um through disney um yeah, so, and I, it's funny, because I had almost totally blocked out any memory of that song, and then as soon as I was watching this movie, and it came back, I was like, oh, yes, this was in my head for, like, <laughs> years as a child. <laughs> so, after Disney, for Universal, she made another movie with her father, The Truth About Spring, in 1965, um, with... James MacArthur as her love interest and that was popular and then in 1966 she made The Trouble with Angels and that was a huge oh, yeah. hit this was one of my favorite I think that's my favorite of hers she plays a prankish Catholic boarding school girl <laughs> of course you who, love that <laughs> who <laughs> has lots of schemes and, and the nun who's kind of like the opposing lead is Rosalind Russell so oh! I mean what's not to love there are uh-huh. nuns, and there's Rosalind Russell, and Hayley Mills, and it's basically an entirely female environment. Um, and it was directed by Ida Lupino. Or what? The, yeah. So, I was like, I wish, we, I mean, that's a little late for us to do, but, like, just as a side project, Hill, like, we should both watch it and talk about it. Done.
0: Yes. Speaking of summer um,
1: magic, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Shortly after that, she appeared alongside her father and Heil... Bennett in director Roy Bolting's acclaimed film The Family Way, um, which was about a couple having difficulty consummating their marriage, Mm. and had a score by Paul McCartney and arrangements by George Martin. So that intrigued me, and I thought I'd like to look that up. She began a romantic relationship with Roy Bolting, who was over 30 years her senior then. And they eventually married in 1971. She starred in Pretty Polly in 67 and continued acting in films and began appearing on the West End stage into the mid 70s. But then she dropped out of the film industry altogether for a few years. Um, And then in the 80s, she had kind of like a television resurgence. Oh, right. uh huh. Uh, She returned to acting with a starring role in the UK television miniseries, The Flame Trees of Thicca, based on Elspeth Huxley's memoir of her childhood in East Africa. Um, And that was popular. And then she got more roles. And returning to America, she narrated an episode of The Wonderful World of Disney. And then people were kind of revisiting her Disney work. And then she reprised her role. Uh, as Sharon and Susan for a trio of Parent Trap television films. The Parent Trap 2, The Parent Trap 3, and The Parent Trap colon Hawaiian Honeymoon. No! <laughs> I know. I was like, no, say it ain't so. Because when I was looking this one up, no. those came up too and I was like, what are these? No. Uh, she also <laughs> starred as the title character in the Disney Channel produced series Good Morning Miss Bliss in 1987. And I definitely watched that and saw her in that because um, that was one of those ones that was on reruns all the time mm-hmm. when we were kids it only had 13 episodes and then the rights were acquired by nbc uh which reformatted it as saved by the bell i was
0: gonna say saved by the bell
1: yeah but of course they cut her role out which was a mistake if you ask me
0: (laughs) i feel like she's in a few she's she's in it very briefly like in the very beginning right yeah uh
1: she was awarded the disney legends award in 1998 in recognition of her work with the company uh and in 2000 she made her off broadway debut in noel cowards sweet in two keys Um, for which she won a Theatre World Award. And she's continued to appear on Broadway, off-Broadway, in the West End, and in traveling productions internationally since then. So she's still going strong. And it seemed like she really transitioned in like recent
0: years more into Mm theatre. I love when we have somebody who's still alive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I mean, I guess if they're a child star at the very end of our time frame for which we... Yes, it would be even more tragic if they weren't alive. <laughs> yes, that's true. So that's that's her, and but you know, from what I read, I didn't read anything that was like too terrible about her either. Yay. Um, I have to say that I'm very confused about her accent in this they basically just like let her have a British accent yeah. in this movie with no explanation. <laughs> and when I was younger, I remember thinking that people just talk like this. People just have that accent like who are on tv but no it was just that she was british
0: yeah and so she like that was her boston accent when she was Sharon, but like nobody else from her boston family had that accent it's not like Maureen o'hara talked like that right no it it made no sense to me that
1: i mean i like her accent but it was incongruous in this role
0: totally bananas yes
1: And she pretty much, like, in a lot of her other child movies, still just has the same accent, too. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) So I'm really curious as to your thoughts about this movie, Hillary, because as our podcast listeners may not know, you are a twin.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So my main beef with this movie and with the remake of this movie and any other movie that does this is that it's the same person playing twins when you could, like... Like, Newsflash, twins are two separate people. You could hire two different people. Or, I don't know, hire a set of twins to play a set of twins. That's a possibility, too. Which is what they did in the Harry Potter movies. Fred and George are played by a set of twins. I, that just kind of, like, makes me mad. That, like, yeah. that's... I mean, it's like, it lends itself to a cool visual trick in for movies. But, like, you could just hire two people.
1: <laughs> well, and it's a lot of extra work, too. Yeah. To, like, to have to frame the scenes that way when you could just have two people who actually are twins like yeah like in or, the remake they could have had like Tiana and
0: tamara Mowry they're great yeah right i mean there's or there's this other disney movie that um my niece really loves um called um double teamed which is um a set of twins and they i think they are not played by actual twins they're just played by two blonde actresses who are not they're not twin i mean they don't look they don't look identical but they look enough alike that like you you can understand why people would like confuse them or whatever
1: <laughs> hire two people yeah that's true in the um the social network the Winklevoss right. twins yes. were played by two different not
0: twins who just looked alike yeah yeah you, so you can do that it's a possible, well, possible possibility so like that's my like main be well that and also like the whole idea that like set of parents would be like oh when we get divorced we'll just take our twins and separate them and not let them know that the other one exists and also not care about the other one like I'm getting one half of this pair and so like that's good enough for me I don't it was oh yeah
1: that is my main problem with this movie (laughs) it's like I mean, I know this is like a light hearted movie, but like what what they did to them that is trauma. That's like, yeah,
0: very like there's not enough dealing with the trauma in this and then when yeah, and they're, then, like, when they, when the parents, like, each meet up with the other one that they haven't seen, they're, like, dad is almost appropriately, like, like, shocked and, like, emotional when he's, like, oh, you're the one that I, like, walked up and down the halls with, whatever. I'm, like, you're the one who separated yourself from this kid. Like, you didn't, you chose to be separated.
1: I'm yeah, like, and there was no talk of, like, oh, yes, like, I get regular reports about how you're doing from, like, the cop. Like you know, it's just yeah. basically, like. We're not in each other's lives. I was like, what judge approved this custody deal? (laughs) This is insane. Yeah. That, yeah, that was, like, the biggest thing. And, I mean, I think you just... It's just, like, a suspension of disbelief. But it does seem strange to me that Susan and Sharon do not have any kind of response where, like, their primary feeling is anger at their parents for doing this to them. They're just like, oh, I'm so happy I have a
0: sister. And now... And now our parents should get back together. Yeah. Yes. Not enough anger in this movie. No. They're just, they're just too happy. (laughs) How did this this be like a silly romantic comedy?
1: I know. (laughs) I was kind of surprised towards the end that it really did morph into like more of a romance and like focusing more on the adults. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the first half was just very much about the kids.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first half was just, like, how much mischief can these kids get into at summer camp? This, like, summer camp that, I don't know if we know where it is. Sorry, my cat is, like, has decided to um, join us. And I should <laughs> pick, a, pick a picture of this and tweet it. It's all on the computer. Special oh. guest, Special Emmer. guest, Emmert. <laughs> Freya was almost on
1: this episode. <laughs> but she's louder than...
0: what did you think of the camp so i hated summer camp when i was a child i hated everything about it i hated you know not having any autonomy i hated having to hang out with kids my own age i hated being away from home i hated oh my gosh i like the only thing i didn't hate was being outside except for i was prone to migraines and so like i did hate being outside so you know i was like okay i guess this is fun for some people but like who, going to summer camp for like four weeks, having to wear a uniform, like with inspections. So this was your that actual was, experience? No, no, I didn't do have to do that part. But like, the only thing that made would would have made summer camp worse for me is if we like it was four weeks. We had to wear uniforms, and there were like cabin inspections. Like, oh my gosh! So this like this was basically my worst nightmare. Having that's <laughs> so funny. <laughs>
1: Well, see, I feel... So I never went to sleepaway camp, and I was always jealous. I was like, this looks like so much fun. I think I just like the idea of being away from home. Like, I always... Not that I didn't like my home, but I
0: like I was just like, I could have independence even though I'm only like ten or eleven or whatever and Yeah, no, you don't you don't get independence when you go to summer camp because the camp counselors have to deal with you and twelve other whiny snotty girls and so you all have to do the same thing at the same time whether you like it or not.
1: Yeah, well that doesn't sound fun. Yeah, it felt like, well, it felt very, like, early 60s with just a lot of the ways they were doing things. It kind of reminded me of um, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is, like, around the same time period where, like, the whole family kind of goes away to this camp, and and it's, like, super structured, and I'm like, who does it? Like, I don't know. I guess I just don't, I'm not in the right circles, but I'm just... Cause I don't, no one I knew went to sleep away camp and like there were like day camps that it was basically like you were playing in a gymnasium somewhere. <laughs> so like, they were not fun. Um, but so like the idea of kind of being away in nature appealed to me, but yeah, it, the idea that like you would have to sleep in like an open space room with, you know, a ton of other people and that other people could access you during your sleep kind of would terrify me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then there's all these like, the like, mean girls pranks that they got up to against each other. Just, you know, I was shocked by all of, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been shocked by all of it, but it's like, you guys are being really mean to each other. Where are the adults?
1: Yeah, I was surprised that. There were, like, no repercussions for when they broke into the cabin and, like, trashed everything. Like, obviously, that was not something... Like, when they went in for the inspection. Like, they didn't do that to themselves. Yeah,
0: somebody (laughs) did that to them.
1: I thought the dance was really a funny scene because Mm -hmm. they're, like, 13 years old. And when, um, I guess it was Susan is talking to the boy, and she's trying to act all mature, and he, like, basically can't even put a sentence together, I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right for a 13-year-old dance. <laughs> like... Yep. <laughs> um, it did make me really upset when they knocked over the table with all those, like, nice-looking homemade cakes, though. Yes.
0: I was upset about that, too. It's like, oh, that cake, <laughs> going going to waste. <laughs>
1: What do you think of the idea of the punishment for two people don't get along is that you put them in isolation together?
0: <laughs> I actually, uh, Jen and I watched this together, and we were both like, "That's not a terrible idea." Part of the message of um, the defiant ones is that the those two characters like were forced to be together, completely different context, completely different like conflict. Everything else about that is different, except for that they are forced to be together and they like learn to like have some empathy for each other. I was like I'm filing this away for later if I need it. It's <laughs> 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 a good punishment. Whoa.
1: When they had the scene where, you know, the head of the camp is walking them to this cabin, it seemed like it was really far away. Like, they were just, like, walking for a really long time. And I was like, where, where are you putting these children? Are you actually going to be able to supervise them <laughs>
0: where they are? At it was this... the 60s. Nobody was supervised. <laughs> yeah, they probably were
1: just off. Of... So, like, I could very easily see this going in the way of a horror movie where you're, like, forced into isolation with somebody who hates you and, like... No one's around.
0: You're in the woods. Yeah. But it worked in their case because they, they got to be friends. Because they were identical twins separated at birth. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> How do you like the uh, haircut? I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I had that ha- same terrible haircut when I was 13. <laughs> I, it is rare the 13-year-old that has a good haircut, I, I guess. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's I try not to
1: judge historical hairstyles, but I was just like... If this doesn't look good on Haley Mills, like who who would this have looked good on? I don't no one. understand.
0: The answer is no one.
1: <laughs> what did you think of the depiction of like the Boston versus California life?
0: I mean I had I'm glad that you brought this up because one of my questions about the adults was, how do they have all this money? And at some point Maggie, the mom, is like says like, oh Mitch is loaded as if she herself, who lives in a house with servants isn't loaded. Like, yeah. how did you guys get all this money? Can I come live on the ranch? Because that is my preferred house in this movie. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. I mean, I just assumed that the Boston family were like Brahmins. Like, they just... You know what I mean? They were like yeah. old money people. They were on all these committees. Yeah, and nobody worked. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. I was more confused by the finances of his life because... He didn't seem to be working at all, Mm-mm. and he was just like, oh, I, I play golf all day, and like, I go in the pool, and I was like, well, what what
0: is the ranch producing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is happening here? You only have one hired person named Hecky? No, and, and then you have the housekeeper, but, like, are there other, like, do you, are you a ran- rancher, are there cattle somewhere, is, what's happening?
1: <laughs> yeah, at one point he mentions cows, but we never see any cows, so, I don't know, I, I'm sorry, hell, but between the two of them, I would choose the Boston life, <laughs> i not that I would want the servants, but I was just like, "Oh, like this is a very charming historic home."
0: <laughs> Even though the it, in California you get to ride horses and swim in a lake, that's, and
1: that's true. That is true. There were horse.
0: The horses are
1: are tough to turn down.
0: I mean, but that's a. About- Probably the Boston life had access to horses, even if they didn't own them. There was probably... I'm sure they had a summer home somewhere. <laughs> they probably had a summer home where they had horses. Their summer yeah. home was probably in Philadelphia.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, did you have a twin preference? No. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't... They were... I mean, I think the... They were like, differentiated to... very much, which also annoyed me. It's like, they're two different characters. The only main difference was that Sharon was like more proper mm-hmm. and that Susan was like more tomboyish. Mm-hmm. And like, but, knew all the like, like the heartthrob boys, and Sharon, for some reason, didn't know them.
1: Yeah, it seemed like Sharon was not allowed to do very much mm-hmm. in her life. With, of course, they never explored any of that. Like, no. some of the stuff was sort of set up in the beginning that you're like, oh, they're going to look into this, and like, oh, you were raised this way, and I was raised this way, but that
0: they don't really actually get into any of that. <laughs> I yeah, did, it turns um, out they both know how to ride horses, they both know how to camp, they both know, like, they have this skill set in the end.
1: How that part made no sense to me when they were on the hike at the end and Sharon knew how to do everything. And mm-hmm. I was like, You have never gone on a hike in your life, okay? <laughs> you spent your whole life on Beacon Hill.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I did, I laughed out loud at the line Boston is no place to rekindle a romance.
0: <laughs> Having lived in Boston, do you think that that is accurate? I would say yes. <laughs>
1: I, I mean it's good for other things but i wouldn't say it's a very romantic city
0: um speaking of um boston the grandma at some point refers to uh somebody as being Hoydenish, which i had to look up as i think it meant like boyish and not very nice not very classy oh yeah i heard
1: her say that and i was like what? What is that? What does that mean? But of course you actually went the extra step and looked it up. (laughs) Um, So I felt like, can we kind of get into the parents now? Yes. Um, I really didn't like the dad that much. (laughs) I felt like the mom's character was not consistent like she seemed one way and then as soon as she got out to the ranch she seemed another way Mm -hmm. and she was like very sort of like vindictive or i don't know like i the way that she acted did not seem consistent
0: Across. Where and she uh, suddenly hauls off and punches him in the in the eye.
1: Yeah, like if if the whole point was supposed to be that she is like this upper class person, and the only real reason they gave for them splitting up is that like she didn't like the outdoors. Mm-hmm. That I like some of her behavior seemed to me like sort of outlandish. And even if their relationship had deteriorated while they were in it, like I didn't see her going straight from her normal self to, like, punching someone within, like, the first ten minutes of seeing (laughs) you know?
0: Well, and if it had been, like, I don't know, just, like, a handful of years or a handful of months, but it, like, the premise of this movie is that they haven't seen each other for, like, 12 years because... Yeah. Like, that's because they, like, separated the babies when they were, like, a year old and now they're 13. And so, like, like, I was like, really none of this has died down in the last 12... 12 years, or you're still in love with this guy who you haven't, like, seen at all in 12 years, or you still have this, these strong feelings about, good or bad, about this person that you haven't seen or talked to, apparently, in 12 years.
1: Yeah, that, the length of time made it a lot harder to believe for me. And, like, at some, one point, Mitch says, like, I kept hoping you'd come back, but they literally had no communication for 12 years,
0: even though the other person had their literal Child. child. And if that's not an excuse to, like, get back in touch, to be like, hey, you know, I, I know that we had this, di- you know, discussion, but I'd really love to see my child. Yeah, I, they, they're not very, like, talking about this, like, neither one of them is a very likable character. Yeah, they, they
1: don't seem very stable. <laughs> no. But I, at the very end, when they do get back together, I kind of liked that the scene was, like, sort of anticlimactic. Like, they're just kind of, like, making dinner in the kitchen instead of it being, like, a big... Like, if they had gotten together during the recreated date, that would have been pretty sappy. Yeah. But them just kind of being in the kitchen together and talking and, like, washing their hands and stuff, that felt... That actually felt romantic to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But also, I'm like, uh, 12 years have passed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: maybe you want to talk about some other things. Yeah. And, like, to them, reuniting just mean all right, we're getting remarried. Or was it like, all right, let's, like, start to talk a little bit because we don't want to get the girls' hopes up.
0: Yeah. And, like, let's figure out, like, are we going to move... Are we going to live in Boston? Are we going to live in California? I think we're too pragmatic. <laughs> yeah. I
1: think that is probably true. Yeah, I guess I just... I wanted more of the background of their relationship mm-hmm. in some ways. And they... They were just no not they, they were just like nonchalant about everything. They were just like, well, now that the girls know about each other, like I guess we'll have to let them see each other. Like the conversation was so. I was like, you people are monsters. I
0: know. <laughs> now that they know about each other.
1: We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery.
0: Do you think we're ready to talk about social justice? Uh, yes. Briefly. Since. How much, how much social justice is in this movie, Emily? Um, I
1: would say about zero. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, I'm trying to think of, like, if there's any sort of angle here. And I, I'm not, I'm not coming up with anything.
0: No. I mean, I think we could read into all kinds of, like, um, like, additional stuff that's not really, like, part of the movie. Totally, like, read a response. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything, like, built into this movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, they made um, the fiancé, like, really terrible. Because I think if they... I kind of was, like, feeling bad for her at some points when the girls were being so mean to her. But they made her so terrible that you couldn't really have that much sympathy for her. So even that
0: doesn't really
1: work. mm
0: yeah, I mean, some of the, like, the pranks and stuff, I, I like, refer to it, like, in Mean Girls culture, you know, that whole, which I feel like comes up a lot in that movie, Mean Girls, um, Yeah, which is a much, much later movie, um, just about, like, how girls treat each other, um, you know, that's a, you know, can be problematic, I don't think it really is, like social justice but
1: yeah i mean the the way so this is like let's go to Bechtel because there's so lot of things i want to talk <laughs> yeah. about
0: i've
1: been living my own life making my own decisions for a long while now it's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again i mean i think this uh, it definitely passes the Bechtel test because it mostly is most of the main characters are women mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the two main characters are adolescents who aren't really talking about like relationships that much, except their parents.
0: Right, they're talking about their parents' relationships, which is like, it is a, like the hope is to get their parents back together, but it's not like it's not like a purely romantic thing. It's like for like family harmony. It's because they want to like yeah. be together as sisters.
1: Yeah. Um. So I mean, it it passes in that way, but I re- like some of the dynamics between the mother, like the way that she acts towards the fiancé, like, as soon as they get... I mean, she has no context.
0: Mm -hmm. Nothing.
1: She just comes in and is immediately, like, completely hostile to
0: this person, who actually is a bad person, but she doesn't know that. No. Like... Well, on what grounds does she have to, like, like have any say in any of this? Like, she divorced this man 12 years ago and has had zero contact with him. Yeah, and, uh, like, she just
1: waltzes in like, oh, he's mine. Like, it was very, um a male idea of, like, Mm -hmm. how women interact and, like, catfighting and stuff like that. Nasty women. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it was all, like, scheming and manipulation. Scheming and manipulation were, like, the themes of this movie. (laughs) And, like, unacknowledged
0: trauma. Those are the three (laughs) Yeah. Teams. Well, and even like when the grandfather gets involved before they go to California, he like he manipulates Maggie into like going to New York and buying an, a whole new wardrobe, so he can she can like win back Mitch. You know, instead of just coming right out and talking to her about it, he's like, "You're looking really, uh, you know, matronly, and I guess those those styles that you know worked so well ten years ago still work, I guess." Um, yeah, I hated that scene.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was so mean on multiple levels. Like for one thing, he is criticizing her physical appearance. For another thing, he's saying that like she has to go get this guy back. And yeah. then for the third thing is like the only way she could get him back is if she looks mm-hmm. a certain way.
0: Yep. In addition to all of that, have you seen Marino Hara? Like she doesn't have to I do know. anything. Like if we're if no. we're just basing it on looks, like she doesn't need to do anything to get whatever she wants if we're just talking getting it based on looks like totally and she
1: I I mean I wrote in my notes I thought she looked way better before the makeover Mm -hmm. like she looked to me younger before the makeover yeah (laughs) I don't know so like it does pass Bechtel, but I don't know if it's I would I wouldn't necessarily say this is like a feminist movie no it's not necessarily (laughs) pro-women no
0: so are
1: we ready to rate yes um I will go first I think I would give this movie. I'm going to give it a 3. <laughs> Which is a like decently high score for me, but just because I found it enjoyable, like it was a fun movie. I, I it has good rewatchability. I thought Haley Mills was good in it. Like all like all the supporting actors were good and um it definitely Scratched that like escapist itch that mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are feeling now as we're sort of like reemerging from our pandemic cocoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wh- what about you?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say three, two. I think if you suspend all disbelief, it is like a totally fun movie to watch, particularly right now and like in the summer. You know, if you don't think too hard about any of it, it like, gets. Just a fun movie.
1: Yeah, agree. And I mean, it's more geared towards kids. We don't really do a lot of like kids movies on this podcast, but I think for what it is, it's fun. Yeah. And you could watch it with a lot of different people and they would
0: like it. Yeah. It's like a, it's a family movie. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Hill, what's our next movie? Our next movie is also a summer movie, totally different direction. Um summertime.
1: Yes. Yay.
0: Can't wait. <laughs> May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow the Screen Sirens on Twitter at the Screen Sirens.
1: And leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. Thanks for listening. After all tomorrow. There is another day!